0: climate, peace and security is very interlinked. So climate change is leading to uh, environmental degradation and conflict over natural resources. War or conflict is profound and multifaceted and it affects ecosystems, human health and climate. So conflicts such as those around the world like Ukraine and Gaza and others um, are real sort of stark examples of how warfare can lead to Uh, significant environmental degradations and also long-term ecological consequences. Warfare often results in direct destruction of ecosystems through land degradation, deforestation, uh, contamination of water bodies, uh, ecosystems, agricultural lands and other areas where military operations can really pollute and contaminate the air, they can contaminate water, they can contaminate soil. Um, There's also impact on human health and livelihoods, so the environmental damage and agricultural land that can lead to, you know, outspread diseases, it can also and often does lead to food insecurity. There's also worries about, uh, you know, release of hazardous substances from military and warfare. What are the contaminants? There are contaminants like metals, Uh, there are a lot of um, hazardous waste, Um, there's a lot of chemicals in some of the the gunpowder, there's a lot of Materials like magnesium—they can go into the water. So there's a whole range of them, um, and and really huge amounts of contamination. Really, in Somalia, you know, for example, we've seen um, water points being, you know, poisoned. Actually, sort of, you know, they put poison in the in the water wells to try to, as part of a control and security mechanism. So we can see that this direct impact then have human health, and then those human health have like livelihood, and that's where you can lead to food insecurity. There needs to be an understanding of that leads to uh, long term insecurity and long term impact. The other impact is also uh, how warfare is really looking at destruction of carbon sinks, such as forests, um, you know, increased carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere. Um, In Somalia, for example, um, al-Shabaab and other militant groups, they will hide in forests. So, you know, a lot of bush clearing happens as part of that, and that means cutting down a lot of the carbon sinks. Um, And so, you know, we really need to think about post-conflict uh, restoration and what the impact of the war and the warfare means as well but it also there's also conflicts and, and war can also lead to obviously displacement um, and creating environmental refugees or climate refugees um, and these are often you know uh, are in need of new locations for shelter water food and which puts uh, extra press, pressure on on different or new ecosystems so for example you know in in Somalia but also in Ukraine and 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 Gaza there's been a lot of movement of populations and so that really has led to um you know a lot of also de- um environmental degradation as well. But that that then also leads to biodiversity loss, so but warfare is also significant destructor um, of biodiversity and local conservation efforts as well. So protection of wildlife and natural reserves, that, that often becomes a lower priority, so that can lead to increased
1: uh, poaching, logging and habitat encroachment. You are climate security experts working within the mission in uh, Somalia. How do you uh, and at what stage do you assess the dangers, and how do you respond to them?
0: I work on mainstreaming, so understanding across security services, military, the UN country team uh, of the interlinkages to in climate and conflict. But I also do a lot of work around how do you uh, how do you get data, and what's the data and information around the interlinkages between climate and conflict. Um, so we're, you know, looking at risk climate risk analysis. So we then provide information over the next, uh, you know, six months, year, five, 10, 30 years on what the climate projections are going to look like and what that means for uh, the military and security, and as well as, you know, the the planning, developer planning. So a lot of my work is around bringing together these security actors, looking at state security planning, the police planning, the military planning, what does that mean um, when we're doing stabilisation? Uh, and how do you then Bring in, um, you know, the development funding, the climate financing fund, to actually think about the long-term support to those communities that need it the most and who are most vulnerable to both climate change but also to militant actors and my third part is around technical advice so trying to come up with these where are the biggest adaptation needs and where are they linked to the security needs and then trying to look at technically what type of nature-based solutions what type of big interventions are really needed to make that big adaptation and security peace gains at the same time
1: the understanding that warfare is uh, tightly interlinked with uh, climate damage, with environment damage, is a relatively new concept. Has your work uh, already provided uh, certain uh, deliverables, uh, whether there is understanding on behalf of uh, conflicting parties that taking environment into account should also be part of the rules of the warfare?
0: I mean, I think it's uh, it's an ongoing process. I think it's early stage. And I think that there's different levels of understanding and agreement. And I think that it's it's incredibly complicated. In the Somali case, a political perspective, um, there's a lot of understanding and agreement. But then at the local level, we've actually done quite a few pilots now around um, nature-based solutions and uh, peace building and how do you actually reduce tensions over natural resources that are exacerbated through climate shocks, and what sort of nature based solutions do you need to do to intervene there to make them long term and make them environmentally sustainable? And that will then give you both the sustainability goals and the peace building goals. You know, we now have the GCF visiting Somalia next week. So this is the first, um, so the GCF is the Green Climate Fund. They are visiting uh, Somalia, and so this is the first sort of fragile state or conflict affected state where climate financing is going to be linked to um, fragile states. So this is a really exciting sort of outcome where they're hopefully going to be, um, you know, making some good announcements around um, around financing.
1: What are those uh, nature-based solutions and at what stage uh, should they be involved? We're looking at um, working
0: with uh, local knowledge and traditional knowledge around rangeland management, around how you rotate uh, cattle, goats um, and the issue is, is, that as the climate, you know, crisis increases, then that competition over things like grazing lands increase. So then, you know, between clans and between groups, um, that brings people much more into this competition over that grazing land. So we're now thinking around things like how do you create a natural resource sharing agreements between groups, where they understand the impacts of climate change and the future uh issues of climate change and where that what's going to happen in the future with uh, a collaboration over the things like grazing lands and areas and so then we get this agreement we then build the peace around that we build trust we then try to find solutions and that's when we do um financing of restoration so for example restoring the grain the the rangeland or planting the right type of Trees and shrubs to to try to help the soil health uh, increase in those sort of areas, and, and we're trying to do this not just through uh, you know donor funding. We're actually trying to now match this with uh, diaspora, so Somalis that live around the world. Um, who are incredibly influential, you know, funding programs that will help then um, the continuation of the sort of uh, growth of this type uh, sharing agreement. And hopefully that'll lead to a peace building. We then link that to the stabilization games and aims in those areas. And then hopefully um, this sharing agreement can then keep going up. We then work with the districts, the, the states, and then those agreements can continue to go. So that's what we're hoping to see.